Hello and welcome to the show. This past summer I was an intern at High Noon Entertainment in Denver, Colorado, and I thought it would be a good idea to not waste the opportunity to talk to some true professionals. So my producer was a lady named Sarah Presta, and a ridiculous amount of experience, and she started off as an intern. I uh, got to learn a lot from her doing some unscripted reality show I'm just going to call it uh, grunt work, but I uh, got to sit down with her for a little bit and got to pick her brain about reality television. So please enjoy. Who are you? Who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? Uh, Sarah Presta. I am an executive producer at High Noon Television in Denver. You know. Where'd you go to grad school? DU, University of Denver. Okay. And what did you study? Video. Just video, or is there like a media arts program? Or like, um, it was, was mass program? communications, so it was like mostly theory, but there was some video production. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, back in the day, I mean, uh, offline editing was available, but they didn't have it. So, like, literally, you would work on three quarter inch tape. So, so you have nonlinear editing is when you're on a computer mm-hmm. and you can chop things up digitally, and it's no problem. But back in the olden days, we had what was called linear editing. Linear editing, right. Yeah. Did you edit with actual film? Did you have to learn how to do that? Like, we actually no. slicing up? No, but basically, you had a big old machine, right, that would do the slicing. So, you physically would have the tape, right? Okay. And then you would do insert edits, but you would have to do it in the exact order that you wanted. And if you wanted to, like, for instance, like, oh, shoot, I want to put that sound bite 30 seconds prior to where my you know most recent edit is you would have to re-edit everything from that point on so you had to take a lot of notes I'm guessing you had to be pretty committed was it tape to tape you had like a VHS yeah. here and a VHS I actually learned on one of those in yeah. high school yeah like they, we had the, the technology but they just didn't have the budget to actually make it happen but you had to set the end point and then mm-hmm. it would go beep and then it would beep mm-hmm. they actually had an Avid unit and didn't teach us how to use it because I don't think they knew how to use it oh that's a shame that's yeah. too bad but I mean this is let me see, 2003? You were in high school in 2003? I was in high school in 2003. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> this makes me feel old. <laughs> don't worry, I don't have to tell anybody. It's, it's, that's not <laughs> so you studied, wait, okay. So that was your graduate work. It was. was in, okay, what did you do as an undergrad? Did you? English. How'd you get into unscripted television? Um, I mean, for those listening, like, first of all, I want to back up a little bit. Like, Unscripted versus documentary. Mm-hmm. What's the delineation there? Um, well, they all kind of fall under the same category. Okay. In my opinion. Other people could disagree. The difference between what I do and a documentary is that... Um, and documentaries can have their own agenda, right? Depending on the type of documentary you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I am hired to do a certain type of show with a certain point of view for a network, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't an exploration necessarily or a discovery. I mean, it is a little bit just because you never know what you're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. But if something doesn't fit in that world of that, of what we want to portray in the the reality world, it's not going to make it, right? So there's, I would say personally, there's more of an agenda when it comes to a reality show versus a documentary. Although... Um, documentaries, in my opinion, always have an argument 
you know, whether you find it at the end or you start out with it. Right. But there's more room, I think, to take different paths. So you don't, so because you're hired to do a show, you're given a concept Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a sort of common thematic element for every episode you do. Absolutely. Okay. So what was your first show? Um, I was hired as an intern for a show for Animal Planet called Emergency Vets. Okay. Is it because you're an animal lover or was it just they needed someone like... Um, I had a choice. Was it an unpaid internship? It was. I either could have been like um, a runner for like back in the day, there was the Timothy McVeigh trial here in Denver, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that paid. Or um, I heard that, you know, there's this new production company in Denver that's just started up. They have a show. You know, do you want to take that internship? And I was like, let me take the unpaid internship because it sounds a heck of a lot more interesting. Right. And um, the gentleman next door, Matt Walker, was my boss. So. And was that through High Noon? It was. um, Yeah. High Noon and... um, it's now defunct. There used to be three companies that kind of turned into two, right? So there was Rocket Pictures that had all the Animal Planet business. Then there was High Noon that had the scripts business, meaning HDTV. And then there was Great Divide Pictures that did National Park documentaries. Okay. So Great Divide actually still exists. Um, so Sonny and um, a form, former partner, Chris Wheeler, still do that. Okay. So... And that's that they have that office down the hall, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're an intern on an Animal Planet show called Emergency Vets. Yeah. And and now you're sitting here as a producer mm-hmm. on a number of different shows. How many shows are you working on right now? You've got right now? Yeah, right now. At this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, let's call it Projects. So I've, Pro- got, okay, I've right. got seven projects. So they're not, they might not necessarily be going to series, but you might be working on Correct. them anyway. Okay. Yeah. So you did the Animal Planet thing, and did you get another internship right after that, or did you start editing? Like, how did, how did that path start from, like, hey, internship on Animal Planet mm-hmm. towards where you are right now? Like, did you want to be a producer? Did you know what you wanted to do? Did you want to be, like, a camera operator? Like, what was your initial, like... English background, I mean, so storytelling is definitely something that you're interested in, right? I mean, yeah. if you're reading a lot of books and... Yeah, huge reader. I wanted to be an editor. Okay. I suck. What? I suck. Okay, on what are you basing that? What metric? <laughs> on my experience. Oh, so you just yeah. don't like you don't like doing it, or you do um, like doing it, you just don't like the I didn't result? have much aptitude, in all honesty. So, like, um, when I went to grad school, um, I'd seen Hoop Dreams. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I loved it. I was very moved. I had this moment of clarity, which does not happen that often with me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. So a light bulb went off yeah. kind of thing? And I was working at um, a hospital at the time. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to go back to school because I didn't know anybody who did that stuff. Like I, you know, And so that was the best, um, my best way in, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so... When I was getting my master's degree, I interned here. And then when that was done, I went back to the hospital and I was working. And then they offered me the night shift digitizing footage. So I would work at the hospital during the day and then go to work and digitize footage. And then from there, they hired me as a PA. And then as a, um, a bonus, 
um, I got to do two things, come in at 6 in the morning to um, write and edit the stories that no one wanted to do for the international version because that has fewer commercials, so you need more content. And then um, I also got to produce on the weekends. So, like, literally I was working seven days a week. Fun. And I'm allergic to animals. Even Are you though really? I, I love animals. Are you I'm, serious? Oh, yeah, I'm totally allergic. Yeah. You seem to you seem fine on that Animal Planet pilot we were working on the other week. Zyrtec. Ah, okay. I never would have guessed. They didn't have it back then. That's amazing. Can you explain a little bit? First of all, for the listeners, we're at High Noon Entertainment. This is a. Um, I, I'm still not clear. Like I know that it's a. We are a production company, but we're not a network. Correct. So a network comes to High Noon and says, "We want you to produce a show for." Animal Planet or HGTV or something like that and then is it pretty much this company's responsibility to just do everything and then give it to the network for distribution is that yeah so there's there's different um, production companies have different services that they do right this I would call kind of an all-in-one meaning that they do the pre-production and or the development so it could be our idea going to the network and they buy it okay um and then the production of it, of course, the post-production, and sometimes that's outsourced. And then there's a graphics department here. Sometimes that's outsourced um, in other companies. The online, meaning color correction and whatnot, as well as the mix, sometimes that's all outsourced as well. Okay. So High Noon does all of that. And it's it, pretty rare for a production company to have all that in-house, is it not? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Because I, I was I was pretty impressed when I, I went to my first online um, viewing session that we, there was a person whose job was to color correct. Yeah. Like I I mean I, I, that blew my mind because in graduate school it's okay we're doing every element of mm-hmm. the editing process and I'm just like oh my god I've got 20 jobs to do as an editor. Right. But here it seems like those things are broken up even more. Mm-hmm. So so high noon is you said it's an all in one kind of yeah thing so. All right, now that we got that out of the way, um, I forgot what my next question was. I had another question for you. But, okay, so, so the editing process, when you're breaking these things up, you said that you, you, were, you were working at the hospital, you're digitizing, mm-hmm. which basically means you're uploading footage into a computer. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you are producing on weekends, and then, but there's a, there's a delineation between writer and editor. Mm-hmm. And the term writer, when I first came here a couple of weeks ago, I know I'm like, oh, a writer, they're not sitting down writing a script for the talent to read in front of the camera. It's not like on mm-hmm. Fixer Up where they're like, okay, Chip, Joanna, this is what you're going to say. Right, this is right. how you're going to say. So what it actually mm-hmm. does a write, can you talk a little bit about the process from raw footage sure. to getting to that final cut? How does that, how does that work? So it depends on the type of show you're doing, number one. So, and honestly, the, the common term in the business is story producer, but here we call them writers, right? Okay. So if it's um, the genre of like a follow documentary, meaning um, you're truly kind of just kind of following somebody, for instance, emergency vets would be a perfect example of okay. that, right? So there were no do-overs. If you missed something, you missed something. Um, it was so pure, if you will, like they didn't, we didn't even like ask them to go through a door again. Like, you missed the shot, you missed the shot. Really? Yeah. How many cameras? Hardcore. Oh, God, it was such a small crew. There was a camp, just one camera, 
obviously it wasn't any GoPros back in that day. Right, right. I mean, it wasn't even high def yet. And then, um, and then there was a smaller camera that the producer would pull out if there was something that needed, like let's say there were two stories going on at the same time with a small loft, and then you'd have to go shoot that, you know. Um, anyway, so that's a pure, what they call follow doc, right? Okay. And then you have um, more scripted things, and so there's kind of a tier, right? So if you look at like a competition show, right, that's the world, you set up that world, and people come into that world, right? Okay. And so you do have scripts as far as that's concerned, and you do beat out um, all the stuff that you can predict, and there's stuff that you won't be able to predict because it hasn't happened yet. So you mean, you mean like a game show? Like, mm-hmm. give, give me an example, like, or a competition show. Like, have you worked on any of those? I have, what, yeah. Like, like what? Um, I did Food Network Challenge, which was, um, guess what? A food competition show. <laughs> <laughs> but it was mainly, um, they mainly, like, did, like, kind of show cakes. And there's an entire competitive industry as far as like sugar show pieces and chocolate and so it was mainly kind of a visual competition every once in a while we did kind of savory stuff right so that's your playground so like you set up the kitchen you set up a couple tables exactly you've got the studio like if you see um currently on food network there's a show called chopped it's very well done and and it's very successful right and that's that's in a studio they provide all of the ingredients you have rules that you have to go by, you know, because there's money at stake. And so, and you've got a director that's calling shots and it's a multi-camera shoot and whatnot, right? And so there you go in and you know, you don't know exactly what's going to unfold because the people haven't competed yet, but still you've set up the competition, right? And then I've done things like Poker Kings, which was incredibly scripted, meaning you set up, the situations where these people, meaning the polka band, would go and, you know, perform at Red Rocks. So we got them a performance at this big venue in Colorado, and they didn't make it there. We made it there. Right. So. Okay. um, Anyway, so that's all on the pre-pro side, right? There's also magazine shows that have a lot of narration to them. And that doesn't have a natural arc. So um, a mag- I've heard that term thrown around this office a lot, mm-hmm. magazine-style yeah. show. What, what does that mean? Segments. So instead of a, one story that kind of goes along the hour, the half hour, they're kind of discrete little segments. So today we're going to go to this particular water park and go down this slide. So that's one segment. And then we're going to go to this water park. And check out this crazy slide. That's another segment. So it's almost like individual little news stories mm-hmm. about different events happening. Yeah. Is magazine stuff. Okay. Right. And very often those don't have as much of a natural arc, if you will. Um, and so those do... When you are putting these stories together, you don't just like take out the bad stuff and there the magic is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you do have to shape it. And you do have to kind of... Um, Make it the show. Okay. Is it a factual show about water parks? Is it just your entertainment? Is it just looking at cute girls going down a water slide? You know, there's there's a bunch of different angles that you can go with, right? right. Plus, you have to tie it together with um, a whole bunch of narration because usually the people who are going down the water slides are not going to be able to do that heavy lifting of explaining what's going on. 
essentially. You, you usually don't get that kind of quality interviews because they're just regular people, you right. know. So that has a lot of writing to it. And then they're the more, for my, lack of a better term, more sophisticated storytelling okay. where you've got several layers of things that you want to talk about and you do have to interweave those. Um, I would say the, the show that I worked on, uh, Life at Vet U, which was about veterinarians, their last six months at vet school. So they're preparing to be real doctors, which is, I'm sure, a very scary time, which was. And so the base of it was the cases that they saw, right? So easy peasy, the animal is sick, they do something to the animal, and hopefully the animal gets better, right? So that's the first layer of the story. And then the next layer of the story is their personal experience. So there's different levels that you have to kind of interweave, I guess is the best way to put it. So it's not just what happened, but what is the show about, mm-hmm. which are two different things. So does it always start with the raw footage and then you figure something out, or do you go in, is it a combination of raw footage and planning? I mean, does it just changes depending on the project, yeah. I'm guessing is what it is. <laughs> okay, so, so then you get... Um, so, okay, so say you have one of these, because the home renovation shows are, are huge. That's like, mm. there's so many of those going on right now. Yeah. So you have, here's this house. It's a complete mess. Our intrepid talent comes in, mm. assesses the situation, has some witty banter, fixes things, and now it looks fabulous. Right. Okay. So you get that footage into the office right. or into the control center. I'm not sure what you call it here. Master control. The ma- master control, yes. <laughs> Sounds so intimidating. Um, and then you have, then you assign a writer mm-hmm. to that project. Right. What do they do? Do they are they writing the narration, or are they just? What it seems like to me, what I've watched so far, is that mm-hmm. the writer does like almost like just the rough edit, where they decide, okay, this is what's interesting and what can be a story, and I'm going to chunk that together for someone else to fine-tune. Is that was that really what's going on? Um, yeah, I would say. So basically, their assignment, at least at this company, is they are responsible for the string out. So it's the... Str- I'm sorry, string out? String out, okay. yeah. So basically, all it is, like you said, it's just a, a rough edit of here's what I think the story is. And then from there, either I view it and give them notes back, and then they make my changes... But the bottom line is is that they're not the ones putting the music in. They are not putting in B-roll unless it's key B-roll. Like, this is the shot that you need here. Or this is the shot that it's going to make everything make sense. Or this was shot really crappy. <laughs> and here's how you can edit it together according to what I think, you know, as far as, you know, kind of continuity editing. Okay. So that's the writer's job. Um and then from there, now there's things called predators, which are producer editors, meaning story producers and editors, right? And they do it all. Um, from there, it goes to the offline editors. And then it's their responsibility to, well, then it goes to me, frankly. Actually, sorry. I forgot about me. <laughs> I forgot about me. Um, then I'll go and I'll judge as well, um, whether it's for clarity or for pacing or for entertainment value or frankly it's too long you know a lot of writers you know write it too long I'd rather it to be too long than short right Right. and so I'll 
move stuff around and find new stuff, da da da. So that you know, so I'm I'm the fine tuning as far as the story is concerned. Then it goes to the editors, and then the editors dive in and make it fun and beautiful and exciting. Yeah. Okay. Make it watchable. Like if you were to watch a string out, and you weren't in the business, you'd be like, "This is the worst show I've ever seen." (laughs) Oh my god. I thought I liked the show and I totally don't. <laughs> some of the some of the 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 rough cuts I've seen, it's been really interesting, like the kind of decisions, just watching you make decisions about what's important mm-hmm. in the cut that are so minute. Like you're making these little tiny decisions, like, okay, even though we renovated that bathroom, mm-hmm. we don't establish early enough that the bathroom has this specific problem and we can better spend our time focusing on this part of the renovation. And have the bathroom just kind of be an afterthought that we sort of brush by because it doesn't right. have any narrative heft right. or something. And I, yeah. I thought that was really cool because you look at these renovation shows and you think that they make themselves. And they just don't. Mm-hmm. That's what's been blowing my mind lately. It's like, okay, and the, the number of times you might have to go get another shot. Like, okay, the way you gave that line, I love what you said, but it sounds forced. And you might get like 10 takes of someone saying something that sounds off the cuff. Right. And I think that's something that it, it, the unscripted reality part of it sort of is sort of fudged, but I, I guess, guess that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, you have to make a good show, right? I yeah. mean, I guess how, like how important me, like, is I it? wish there were a better, a better term. Yeah. You know, because neither one is entirely correct. Right, because you're not working on keeping up with the Kardashians. No. <laughs> no. Right? I mean, it's. So, as a producer, are you getting notes directly from the network? Is like HGTV telling you, "Hey, Sarah, we're not digging this. Fix it." Does yeah. that ever happen? You get that all the time. So are yeah. you, you're directly in touch with the talent and the network. Is yes. that kind of how it's going? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's my job to kind of care, water, and feed all of the processes. So that means, you know, making sure that you know the people on camera are okay that the field is doing their job, both creatively, schedule-wise, money-wise, right? Even though I don't get into the weeds as far as the specifics. Um, And then the same thing with the post-production as well. And then the network is the client. They are buying the show. So, you know, it's just not my... It's not just my baby, even though I think of every show as my baby. Mm -hmm. It's also the network's baby. Do you get sick of watching the same episode over and over and over again until it's perfect? Sometimes. There's <laughs> <laughs> another question. Do you watch reality TV at home? Some. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I'll, for fun. So there's a difference, right? There's research. Uh-huh. And then there's fun. Okay. And there are, there are a couple shows that I watch for fun. And they're not produced by High Noon? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to... <laughs> but it's... it's, it's, it's when you have the same kind of formula for a number of different shows, mm-hmm. how do you keep it interesting? I mean, it, does it depend entirely on the talent? I mean, are you... Because there, there are certain... I've watched a couple of these... A number, actually, mm-hmm. of these shows. And I'm noticing that the reason to watch is not necessarily the process... I feel like you're watching because you like the way so-and-so in the show looks at things. You like the way so-and-so cracks jokes. 
um, this person's personality brings out a fun time in other people or, mm-hmm. you know, this person being high strung makes it more dramatic to watch. I mean, are you trying to balance that? Is, is the other stuff irrelevant? I mean, are you focusing entirely on the characters? I mean, it depends on the network and the balance that they want. So they're actually telling you what they want. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the network knows their audience. They know what their audience wants, at least the networks that are doing well, Okay. you know? Right. And so, if you want a, a, a more heavy process show, you go to the DIY network. Where they're breaking down step by step by step mm-hmm. every little thing mm-hmm. to build this. Yeah, whatever. or PBS. You know, I mean, okay. and then as you know, there's obviously, you know, more specialty networks from there, right? But, you know, HD has a ton of research, you know? And a lot of data to back it up, and we're talking we're talking focus groups of different times types, like qualitative and quantitative. Plus, you've got the ratings, of course. Right. You know, um, and I'm sure a thousand different things that I don't even have a clue about. So they know what their audience is wanting, right? So if they're saying, you know, you're getting too much in the weeds as far as being too specific about a certain step, why? Because maybe they've seen it a thousand times. Because, you know, viewers watch a lot of shows great I have to respect that um good characters however are always 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 important Mm -hmm. always so when you have so does the development team seek out interesting characters to build shows around or do you have a show concept and then go picking for people that you think might fit that concept like how does that actually work both Mm-hmm. For sure. So there really are no rules to this unscripted <laughs> thing. It's just whatever works, whatever seems to click, whatever the network is like, ooh, do that, is kind of how you do it. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, if the concept comes first, you mm-hmm. know, like let's say you think of a format that you're like, oh my God, that'd be super fun. And they're like, oh gosh, we got to find a host for it, right? So then, you know, that chicken came first. Okay. And then if you find... Um, um, someone, talent, I always find that term weird, um, where they themselves are super interesting, and then you look at their business, oh yeah, we want to kind of explore their business, or oh, we could see them in this capacity, let's find a format for them. So, so it, it could happen anyway. Cake Boss started with the personality. Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's Buddy like in person? Um, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. <laughs> you know what? Here's what I remember. Um, there was this one time where he, we were doing a competition, and they always had assistants, right? And so he had his own assistant, and then I think like some other people who worked at the bakery were in the audience, and then another competitor's... Um, Another competitor got sick, like really sick, like couldn't do the competition that day. Food poisoning? Was it something uh, ironic like that? It wasn't. Like initially they thought it was the flu, but it turned out to be something more serious. Like he's okay now. Okay. Um, Anyway, so his assistant decided to kind of, you know, soldier on and, you know, finish the competition. But now that guy needs help. And one of Buddy's people said, I'll help you. And it didn't end up shaking out that way, but I just thought there was such a generosity of spirit there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's a, he's a good person. So do you... What's your favorite part of the process? Because you wear a lot of hats. Mm. I mean, watching, like, the difference between 
uh, scripted and unscripted, I've noticed, is that you've got a producer who is not only the producer, they are the director, they are like a sergeant at arms mm-hmm. a lot of times too. They're a writer, they're an editor. So you've got all these responsibilities and all these things um, for the network. You have to engage with the talent, you have to engage with the network, you have to engage mm-hmm. with the editors, the writers, and everything like that. What's your favorite part of the process? The post. Just brought like you will slog through whatever you have to get through to get to that post production. Well, I mean, um, were you like counting down the minutes when you're on no, set to be like, when can I get to an no. editing suite? But that's. Um, do you know when you get that sense when you're working that you know you lose time because you're so enjoying or engrossed in when what you're, you're in doing the, in the zone. When you're in the zone, and that's always for me. That's always the post, and it's not. It doesn't always happen, mm-hmm. and like. I, like, I'm a, I'm a good field producer. I'm not the best field producer in the world, you know? And I also... I don't know, but keep going. <laughs> um, and I'm also an introvert. And so... Really? Yeah. You are so friendly and, and open and relaxed around talent. You have to actually work at that? I used to. I used to. From the standpoint of, like, I felt like I had to put... I would call it my producer Sarah on. You know, okay. and then by the end of the shoots, I would be like super depleted. Um, I don't feel like I need to do that anymore because I don't feel as um, I don't know defensive or. So you had like a producer persona you would have to put on like a mask on. Yeah, back in the day, I don't that. do that anymore. So you, you've just developed that, and it's become kind of part of just how you, you do things. Yeah, and you grow as a person. Right. You know, so I mean, in general, I'm just more comfortable. Okay. You know. That, that took some a lot of experience to get to that mm-hmm. point, though. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a... Uh, this might be like uh, choosing your favorite child, but do you have a favorite show that you've worked on? Mm, I have a favorite couple projects. It's funny, because like, some were hard to do, but you're super proud of the product. Mm-hmm. And then some... Well, some you're never that proud, but... <laughs> <laughs> You send them to board. Have you sent any to boarding school? You're going to go find one too. I love the Animal Planet stuff. I love the docu-reality stuff. I loved Prospectors. I loved Hurricane Hunters. Um, so, so you were. Can you give like a, a brief like uh, bibliography or not yeah. filmography of like what you've worked on for our listeners? Yeah. So for, I'll just go by genre. How's okay. that for you? Sure. So I've done um, docu-reality stuff, um, and that would be miners in the mountains of Colorado searching for gemstones, Um, hurricane hunters, which was um, Air Force squadron that goes in the heart of a hurricane. Um, uh, I would say most of the Animal Planet stuff would fall underneath that. Um, I've done crime reenactment shows. Okay. Um, I've done magazine shows. Anyone specifically that I would know of? Oh, gosh. Um, I did read all about it a thousand years ago. And I've done a lot of piece work. You know, where, what like, I mean? wrote, like, an episode of this and this and that. You oh, know, okay, and you got called episodes on. Of that, okay. you know. Um, for, for crime reenactment, what, what show did you work on for It was that? called Busted. And it was, like, where either the animal or evidence from an animal helped solve the crime. Okay. Um, and then I've done 
one medical show. Obviously, reno shows. Competition shows. Those are my least favorite. Why is that? I, you know what? I don't like it when I have to set the playground. When like so so being being a producer a field producer on a competition show mm-hmm. is just way less. I mean, like like as compared to going to the Denver Zoo and and getting to right. play uh-huh. around with the animals. When you're on a competition show, you you feel like it's sort of claustrophobic or um, you're too limited. I mean, is it the possibilities more narrow? All well, yeah, all of that for sure. Mm-hmm. But when it's all said and done, like I I got into let's call it unscripted. Okay. Um, because I liked true stories. And it's and it's not like the stories that come out of competition shows are not true, but you are setting up that world. Meaning that if it weren't for that competition that you are putting on, none of that would happen. Right. And that just doesn't get me jazzed. So you so what what gets you excited? I mean, that's not part of the process. Like story wise, what is where you actually like, ooh, okay. This is a moment of discovery. This is interesting. This is something I want to explore. Like, mm. what kind of... Is there a certain, certain like, thematic... For me? Consistency with that? Yeah, I love... I love ideas. I mean, that sounds weird, but I love when I can learn new things, and that's either facts or I get to go into a new world, a world that's new to me. Mm-hmm. And then I love whether or not the, the new ideas make it into the show or not, right? I love meeting people, and I get to... I get the privilege and the inside scoop of like who they are, how did they get there, what's their life experience, what is their philosophy, how do they bring that to the table, and how can you know? And that's just purely selfish. But does, but that I imagine that also informs the kind of questions you ask and the kind of on the fly interview questions you try to throw at sure. them and that information. One thing I noticed when we were at the uh, um, at the Denver Zoo is that you were. You were you had a list of questions mm-hmm. that you needed. I'm, I'm guessing to just like fill the bag, as they say, mm-hmm. of like content. But then you were also throwing questions out that it seemed like you just came up with on the fly. Sure. Are you just trying to get as much content as possible for the writer, or are you trying to kind of plant seeds for a thread that you might follow later? I mean, how much how how far ahead are you looking when you're doing that kind of work? I'm doing both. You are doing both. For sure. You just just are doing everything. Yeah. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you do. You have to think ahead. You have to think ahead. You can't just let it happen and and roll Well, you could, but then then you're doing the scattershot thing. Okay. Right? And so you're wasting um, a lot of time. You're exhausting people. You know, because, like, being in the field, it's tough. How much pre-production does it take? How much pre-production do you need to get done? to feel comfortable with going into the field. It depends on the subject. Okay. If we're talking about, can we talk about the Animal Planet thing? Is that okay? Sure. Because so we did this Animal Planet pilot with a, a forest ranger, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with certain scenarios with certain animals that you need to learn about. Right. How much pre-production were you doing about those animals in those locations to prepare for that shoot? Um, so I had certain people do certain things, right? And And... You know, I can't be everywhere at once, right? So you did. Someone did a, a a location scout, met the person, saw the lay of the land, right? And that's for a bunch of different things. Like number one, is this going to be an interesting place to shoot? Is this person game? 
because some people aren't. Um, and then all the logistics, like where can our people park? Where are the bathrooms? Are there no bathrooms? we got to go down the street. What about where are we going to eat lunch? So all that stuff needs to happen, right? Um, and then from there, I'm like, okay, what do I need to learn about that process? So some of that information comes from the actual person, and some of that information I have to just, like, literally look on the Internet and say, well, I wonder about this. And, and that's, like, half of the job in pre-production is, oh, this sounds interesting to me. Let me go think about this. Let me find something here with this fact and stuff. So, like, I came armed with a bunch of facts about that particular animal, and I'm trying to keep it kind of vague, that particular animal mm-hmm. and um, that particular site and that business here's what we want to talk about, here's what we want to stay away from, here's what I'm not interested in. And part of that is also knowing what animal planet's looking for. That So you have to be in conversation with your client as well, mm-hmm. just to make sure you're on the same page. Because okay. like what might be interesting to me might not be interesting to them, or that might be like super off-brand, you know, for that particular network. And then, then you made a big mistake. Well, and also, you don't, <laughs> want to, you don't want to waste your time. And you don't want to waste people's time. Because it's, it's no, it's a terrible pun, walk in the park, um, you know, when you're on mm-hmm. location like that. Mm-hmm. If you met someone who was really interested in getting into unscripted programming mm-hmm. and had no idea how to break into this industry, what would you recommend? Mm, that's a good question. They don't know what they want to do. Well, in I keep that hearing every, every time I get involved in a project of yeah. any kind, everyone always says, well, it's who you know. Oh, well, it's who you know. Who, who do you know in that business? Or who, I mean, that, that's what everyone says. I mean, it's, it's like a, people have asked me. Yeah. They're like, oh, Robert, I, w- I want to get into film. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And I, I just sit there and go, I volunteer to work on a film or write something or yeah. apply for an internship or try. I'm like, th- there's no how-to book. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, and I think there's like the... There's a new way to, of doing it, I, I, I know, just because you have YouTube and all these great new technologies that are pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you're also working in a vacuum if you're just working with yourself or the people that you know around your immediate circumstances, right? So you could go it alone and see if somebody sees your stuff and loves it and hands you something on a platter, right? Which happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part is you got to do the crap jobs and you have to bring it. And then if you're lucky, people are going to trust you with the next thing and you find a mentor and you're not an asshole. And so people want, you know, want to hire you again because you're reliable and you're thinking and, you know, you're ambitious, but you're not so ambitious that you're annoying. So, like, I would say... I would say part of it is luck, part of it is who you know, part of it is timing, but the rest of it is you got to bring it because, like, you're not going to go anywhere if you're an asshole. You have to show up and do the work. That's yeah. pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, and also... <laughs> try to volunteer for the job you want. There's a lot of free work that happens. Mm-hmm. 
because people are, you know, positioning themselves to get their next job. Okay. Right? So you're not just the PA. You're volunteering to, can I help this? Can you, I take that away from you? I did this on my own, which is super impressive. Like any kind of initiative, as long as it's not so overstepping the bounds, right, is impressive. And sadly, you don't see it that often. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Kids these days, right? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what, are, what kind of shows, what shows are you working on now that people can watch? It's um, actually airing right now that have your fingerprints on them. Nothing right now. Okay. I mean, uh, Saving Spaces, which is a pilot, we're expecting to get some air dates um, for the repeats. Um, Flipper Flop got renewed. Flipper Flop Vegas, excuse me. So okay. we'll start production, but that won't air until March. Okay. And then Restored by the Fords, that won't air until 2018 sometime. We don't have an air date yet. Um, I nominally help on water parks and screens, but I don't really. Okay. The showrunner has it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So nothing right now. But uh, you're still working hard, still busy. Mm-hmm. Still like the job? Most days. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of weirdness that, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah, come across. I'm sure, but that's, that's just part and parcel of having responsibility, right? Yeah. So... Well, um, is there anything you'd like to add for our listeners? Um, any recommendations? Any uh, oh, shows okay. they should watch? Uh, pit Pitch uh, coming out to sunny Denver, Colorado. I know. Working at high noon. It's such a great town. So many people, including my dad, who I adore, you know, he was like, what are you going to do? You're going to become a producer in Denver? And I was like, well, maybe. Okay. All right, maybe you should take this computer programming class just in case. And you know, I, whether it works out or not, you got to try. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to do it, you got to try. Yeah, no one's gonna hand it to you. And you're always gonna wonder. And if you don't try, you're gonna be sad. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, then you're like, okay, I tried. Right. Is there a perfect unscripted show that you would love to produce that does not exist yet Mm. or do you just leave that to the development team I do have an idea but I just think it's too weird okay yeah (laughs) I'll tell you offline okay All right. as soon as we we hit stop record we can go into that awesome alright cool well Sarah I've learned quite a bit in my time here so far and I'm, I'm still learning things and I'm really glad that you've brought me into a lot of your projects to learn things that I wasn't actually assigned so it's it's been really fun so far and, I, and I've got a couple more weeks so uh, party um, is it, is there any kind of like uh, social media that people should follow or uh, um, you can find High Noon on Facebook and like them okay. and follow them on Twitter okay is it just High Noon TV on Twitter and Facebook crap I don't know okay look up High Noon follow them support the team all right cool i'm not that good at twitter it's okay it's okay all right well thank you once again and uh we're done here you are welcome (laughs) thanks for listening i will be back soon i'm not sure quite how often i'm going to be posting new podcasts but 
there are more forthcoming. So until next time.